Welcome back to the National Modern Podcast. I am your host, Neo, straight from the Matrix. Follow the rabbit, follow the rabbit, pick the red pill, the blue pill. There is no podcast with my co-host, Agent Smith, uh, Mr. Ben Bateman. What's going on? I should have worn all black with like the sunglasses and the tie. Yeah, and we could have been, oh, been. yeah, because you have the suit. You could pull the suit off really easy. Could have been Agent Smith. Uh, Whoa. I, don't, I, I can't do a very good Hugo Weaving. It's kind of incredible how powerful of a personality Hugo Weaving has actually been when it comes to like franchise movies. It's like kind of wonderful. Yeah. He's like the bad guy in The Matrix. He's the friggin' Red Skull. He's kind, of, he's, he's kind of evil Ian McKellen. Yeah, 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 that's fair. Where it's like, where like Ian McKellen was Gandalf and then he was uh magneto, magneto and, and all the other stuff he has and 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 on the reverse you have like agent smith and like elrond and red skull and like i would argue elrond is kind of a good guy uh yeah um so so but welcome to the masters of modern podcast uh we are a modern podcast we come up with new content every monday uh and either in podcast form on podcast apps everywhere uh, or on YouTube. If you're on the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button right now. Just hit it. Uh, and because that's the thing to do. Uh, we'll play a trivia game in a second. Don't you worry. Uh, before we do that, uh, remember this entire ed- process is brought to you stuff like by stuff like TCG players, affiliate link. If you go below, we're going to talk about a bunch of cards to buy today. Uh, it's the theme of the episode. And that link below, if you click on that when you're going to buy some of this stuff, we get a small amount of kickback. You don't pay anything extra. It's just it remembers that we sent you as kind of a small advertising situation. It helps the podcast out a great deal. The other one is check our Patreon out. We have an awesome Patreon where you get the episode a whole week early. If you uh, want to, you can still go listen to, even if you listen to the rest of this here, if you go back uh, to the Patreon, uh, you get a uh, entire section on a review of Ted Lasso Season 2 uh, and the cultural relevance of The Matrix versus Dark Knight. It's all in there, exclusive to the patrons, and definitely recommend checking it out. You get it just for the, you know, whatever whatever fee you pay on there, everyone gets it. Uh, and we are today uh, talking about um, cards you should be buying in Modern. Uh, basically, we've just gone through a rotation. We just had two Modern sets. The format's been flipped on its head, not to mention Time Spiral Remastered, one of the most powerful years of magic rotated out of standard uh, into modern. And so there's a lot of stuff moving around. And uh, we thought there's just like an interesting time to talk about a bunch of different possible options to uh, pick up. Like now is a good time to pick them up. Uh, we'll, we're in a few weeks or trying to also do an episode on like how to start getting into modern. And this is a great first step to that on like what cards right now are a good investment and uh, are like uh, criminally undervalued at the moment. Yeah, I think there's two reasons that I think the first one is we are in this flex points where within six months the world will be back to a place where we're going to large events again um we sort of are almost there now but i think within six months there will start to be more and within a year i think we'll probably be going to lots of events again and uh it's already happening on some level but as more and more of that happens and more things open up there will be more paper modern played which was always classically what made the format such a powerhouse and so i think as that happens this bubble of cards that came out that I think make modern pretty approachable financially in a lot of ways. Um, it's going to inflate like crazy a year from now. You're going to look back at the prices we're going to talk about today. And I guarantee you like 70 or 80% of these cards will have doubled. Right. And well, and we're in a little bit of an interesting space, right? This episode is coming out in the second week of October, the last week of October at SEG con, there's a modern tournament on the SEG tour. Last week, we had Zach Allen on and we talked a lot about like what the metagame looks like. And then three weeks later, there's the the Channel Fireball 
Vegas event that's happening that is also going to have a major modern tournament. So that's two paper modern tournaments for the first time in two years happening over the next month. And if you look at the Flesh of Blood event, you look at Gen Con, you look at uh, even PAX and, and Dragon Con, these type of things are coming back. And these this type of paper tournament hasn't happened in a while. So the metagame could shift a great deal because we're going to move away from moto-based metagames. And on top of that, you know, there's just going to be a refocus on modern in a way that hasn't really happened in a while. Add that to us looking at, you know, we're in a weird moment right now. TCG collectibles in general are a little bit in a bubble. And I don't know if that's a bubble in the sense that it's going to pop, but just across the board, if you look at Pokemon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, any type of collectible item, there's a lot of uh, money going into inflating it. And some of that is the fact that because these conventions haven't happened the ability to buy collections has been reduced pretty significantly. And so there's a little bit of a back and forth on like what people's dollars are going to go into or where people can get cards. So cards get inflated in price. But with that all being said, there's a lot of sets printed in the last two years, a lot of powerful cards, and we're excited to go through that. Before that, Ben, I have some trivia for you. Yes. And before the trivia, I actually have something else that I'd like to throw to first. Um, I think there are two parts to this episode as you mentioned a second ago so you guys are going to hear this be sure you look out in the near future of the episode alex alex talked about which is the how to get into modern episode because ultimately getting into modern you will want to buy some cards and some of the cards we're going to talk about today are exactly those cards so it's it's you know they dovetail into each other nicely and uh, be sure you keep your eyes on the lookout for part two the other thing is i am releasing an album of original music on the second of december it's the first time in my entire life i have spent a year with different producers, writing, recording, and getting ready. Uh, this record, it's five songs. It means a lot to me. And the newest one called Happiness actually dropped today. You guys are hearing this podcast, third single, Happiness, dropped today. It's all over the place. Apple, it's on it- you know, iTunes. That's not a thing anymore. Apple Music, uh, <laughs> Amazon Music, YouTube Music, Spotify, of course. And uh, you, can, you can buy the song if you want. But check it out. It means a lot to me, guys. I'm really trying to blow this one up going on the radio to promote this as well here in LA. There's uh, there's a bunch of cool stuff behind it. So check it out. Go follow me on Spotify. It would mean a whole lot to me. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to see some of you guys on tour and play some shows for you and all that stuff going forward. So uh, I think without further ado, I'm down. Let's get into it, Alex. Trivia, hit me. All right. This is, this is rated as a difficulty level four. And for those who are joining this podcast for the first time in recent months, uh, we play a new game every episode. It's at the beginning. I'm going to read a piece of trivia off and you're making a bet. You, you, the audience, I'm going to uh, read some trivia. You're going to comment below with what you think the answer to that trivia is. And if you know, great. If it's a guess, go for it. Um, but we're making a bet. And if you get it wrong, um, you have to hit the like button. There's a like button down there. If you get it wrong, you hit the like button. If you get it right, uh, then feel free to just uh, enjoy the win. Uh, keep that W, maybe brag about it in the comments. And then, uh, you know, if you want to hit the like, we wouldn't mind. Um, either way, hit that subscribe button. All right, Ben. Uh, and Ben's going to hit me off for a second to give you time to go down and comment. Uh, this is rated as a level four difficulty on okay. the trivia scale. Rock and roll, rock and roll. Um, and which year is the only year where zero changes happened to the ban and restricted list in all of oh magic. I have to know the actual calendar year that no changes happened to the ban and restricted list in magic's history. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, this is an insane question. This is like difficult level, difficult, difficulty level, like 15. 
I don't. Um, I, it, it could have been a four out of four star scale. I just have difficulty four. It doesn't say <laughs> what it's out of. Yeah. This is difficulty five. Uh, <laughs> let's let's see. Okay, use my brain here. So stable magic, no bands. Couldn't have been the second year they would have revised the game. Uh, tournament play started in like ninety five or four or something like that. It was like the second year. I don't think it's a recent year because there's always changes. It might have been during that dead time, the like Legion onslaught Legion scourge time, which would make it. Here it was 2003, I think. So onslaught Legion scourge was the set before. So 2002. Is that your final answer? Yes. Well, that's amazing. Yes. The answer is 2002. <laughs> <laughs> for, for someone who hemmed and hawed about how difficult that was, you you walked your way right into the answer there. Yeah, so 2002 I mean, is I the have only competed, year. I have competed and won the world mm. championship in movie trivia, so I do have a, an illogical brain that's good with years. That, yeah. that SG kind of is remarkable, I'll be honest. It was a blind guess, but... No, you yeah, like you, you found like the right location it would have happened. You picked the right card. Like the other dead time, which is like the Homelands era... The yeah. cards were still legal from sets that were old enough that were just so much more powerful than the new cards that they had to ban stuff. So and I think and, they banned Jester's Cap, I'm pretty sure. So I think yeah, that, yep, that yep, was that yep. era. And so like and then Urza's block and and yeah, there's yeah. a bunch of powerful stuff after that. But yeah, no, you got it. You hit the and the mirror didn't happen, then Kamigawa happened, and the Ravnica happened. Yeah, set got real powerful. It had to be the year before had to be the year before Mirrodin, because obviously they banned like a million cards. All right, so that that is trivia. Now, remember, if you commented below correctly, you don't have to hit the like button. You win. You beat us. We're sorry. But if you didn't comment correctly or you didn't know the answer, you have to hit that like button. It's super appreciated. It makes this episode do better. So really, you're helping us help you help us. Uh, All right. First thing we're going to talk about on the list and just to like briefly read off the categories, we got lands. We got cards from Eldraine. We got cards from Theros. We got Ikoria. Uh, we got Time Spot Remastered, and we have the Modern Horizons of the World. And so we're going to start with Lands. Let's start with Lands. Without looking it up, Ben, continuing our trivia fun, mm-hmm. how much would you say a Scalding Tarn costs right now if you were to buy the cheapest Ooh. option on TCG Player <laughs> using our affiliate right link below? Now, A. Um, well, it's, classically, it's the most expensive fetch, and it it peaked at one point at like 100 and whatever it was down to like 70 for a long time and then i think i saw it drop all the way down into the 30s i don't think it's gone up too much i'll bet you the tcg player low on it right now is like 39 31 dollars wow even cheaper than i thought 31 bucks yeah burning catacombs 21 dollars arid mesa 17 dollars so now is a good time to buy uh, fetch lands. Now it Jeepers sucks creepers. because fetch lands being cheap still is like $15 plus cards. But the fact that you can get outside of the blue ones, play sets of all the fetches you could ever need out of the enemy fetches uh, for less than a hundred dollars, right? Like these pretty, a pretty big, which has never happened in modern, like in modern history that has not existed as an opportunity. And so you're now living in a world where you can pick those up. Uh, the last time fetches were reprinted, which I believe was like, I want to say Iconic Masters, but they weren't in Iconic Masters. No, I don't it, was think, in, uh, it was in uh, it modern was in modern, Ma- modern Masters. Modern Masters two. No, three? they weren't in two. Three. No, no, it was in it was it was Modern Masters three in 2017. Yeah, that was the last time. Um, they got to the the 40s range, and then it was like, oh, they'll be down to 40 forever. And literally, 
within six months, they were back up to the $60 price point. So that was it, a great, that was a great set. So the 2017 one, you could open yeah. fetches, Snapcaster, like I think Liliana, maybe it was a really good set. Yep. Um, so, so that's, that's kind of the first time for those who don't know, fetch lands are the basis for lands in modern and, and pretty much any format that can play them. They're banned in pioneer partially because it would make the format too similar to modern and legacy. And, like they classically just have been really expensive. And yes, the fact that $30 for scalding turns is the cheapest you'll ever get them is like frustrating to some extent, but it is still the time, uh, you know, the time, the time was like three weeks ago. And if it's not three weeks ago, it's now. And as soon as these modern tournaments start hitting and people start getting excited and noticing it, it, it they'll become more expensive. Interestingly enough. Will, oh, oh, I was going to say also on the subject of those lands, the, the etched foil printings that they released in horizons Two with the old border, for some weird reason, the community reacted without a lot of demand to those cards, but that's insane. And within mm-hmm. a couple of years, they're very cool looking. They're unique. They have the old border, their foil. They'll be in high demand and they're not much more expensive than the regular cards. Like if you're talking $31 for a Scalding Tarn, I think like the retro, the retro etched foil is like probably 41. They're really barely more. The the uh, so Misty Rainforest uh, framed retro is about $33. Uh, where a modern horizons to regular is twenty seven, twenty four dollars. It's crazy. I mean, that's, yeah. that, that is that to me is probably of all the things I've seen that have come out of horizons that have affected the format. That's got to be the craziest one. I, if you told me there's going to be etched foil, old border mm-hmm. fetches available in the set. Like, I know we all opened a lot of the set. Don't get me wrong. I opened two boxes, but like that's these are staples and what a unique cool printing process i think that's just a steal of a deal yep and one thing i will say is is and we're going to talk about this a little later about the difference between full art versions of these cards and like the you know the full frame versions of the cards versus um like regular printings in other sets that are old enough to start seeing kind of the ret, ret like the reaction to these different types of printings full art versions of cards are more expensive right now misty rainforest extended art is the is basically as expensive as just like a regular misty rainforest from modern horizons too so crazy and like it's like i think it's 28 versus 33 and like they both have like 29.99 and the lows right so like i i I think like it's crazy how cheap these are now an interesting fact and reaction to this though is that if you go to um the cons fetches or the allied colored fetches polluted delta etc flooded strand those are now the more expensive option so flooded strand ah. polluted delta is now 40 dollars. flooded strand is about the same as a misty rainforest so they've kind of evened out and one thing i will say on those is i would not be surprised if we see a printing of the enemy fetches in some significant way within the next three years i think we'll in the allied ones i think we might be waiting for enemies again i think it might be another five years but i think I think allied, we are going to be printed soon. So I would say buy in if you can to ally or enemy fetches, the Zendikar fetches, but I would wait on the allied ones. And the thing is good advice. Yeah. And the thing with fetches is like. The. The margins of power level you miss by playing slightly off color or slightly weighted wrong fetches in your mana base is matters, but not a lot marginal. Yeah. Like if you have if you have one full set of either area of magic of, of fetch lands or even just all of the ones that are not blue you can get away with a lot of mana bases and just like you're going to be taking a little bit of damage when you want to cast one drop blue spells but like 
especially in like Jeskai, you could just be, have like the white red, you four, four of the white red ones, make sure you hit your Ragavans and, 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 and friends early. And like, yeah, for sure. Skip and I mean, on the blue red and the, the blue white ones. They're probably the most stable. I mean, not talking reserve lists. They're probably the most stable magic investment you can possibly make. They're just, they're always in demand. They're good in every format. They will never, the floor on these things will never totally bottom out. Uh, you know, they, they, they're just, they never go out of style. So like you can buy them comfortably knowing they'll go up, they'll go down, they'll go up, they'll go down, but you will never, ever, ever have these things drop to like two bucks. You right. just lose your money. Like you're, you're putting cash into something that you'll be able to get money out of. Agreed. The next, the next category is shocks. So after the most recent, so just recently a, a secret layer was launched with the shocks from them. And with that kind of being released into the market, now is the time to kind of buy shocks again. Uh, they like had gone above 20. They're now much closer to that $15 average to $15 to $12, sorry, $15 to $10 range. Um, and it's another, it's another one that's just like these two cards together make up the modern metagame mana base and shocks picking up shocks right now is a less expensive way to buy into the format right these will go back up to the plus 20 dollar amount especially because secret layers seem to be only a blip on the radar when it comes to printing uh uh like the quality the like price uh variants and so now is the time to kind of pick those up see what you can get and 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 then kind of move off to to building that collection that way have you been satisfied with your secret layers that you've purchased to this point yes not all of oh, them, wow. but I think I think some of the earlier ones when I was like, I'm buying a lot of this, I'm like less yeah. happy with. But like some of the later ones, yeah, super happy. I like love yeah. these uh, these full art ones. Those are awesome. I think like all I of just the movie poster ones. I just think the secret layer was such a cool. The, the creation was super cool. The execution and how they sell direct is like less cool. But I think that the the uh, the cards themselves are awesome. I like that they're printing niche cards for niche people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and the fact that a lot of the time, a lot of the secret layers have now gone up in price post printing makes it so it actually isn't is even valuable for stores to buy them. Um, the next two uh, are a little bit or the next one is probably the third in that era of like expensive. But like, I don't know where they print these anytime soon. And that's the Horizon Lands. Mm, OK, sure. These the, are the, in the draw draw card land. Yeah, they are in the $20 range. So they're between shock lands and fetch lands. And but they are a staple of the format. They're only going to get better. Like they're still very powerful, especially as like the format gets faster in like combo lines that like life loss becomes less important. And so I can and like Renin six is still very powerful. Um, and because of Luros decks, because decks don't want to play lower to the ground, mana flooding is being able to mitigate mana flooding is more and more important. They are just really powerful and they don't have a lot of easy reprint locations. Do they reprint it in a modern horizons? Do they reprint it in secret layer or something? But all those we've kind of talked about don't really affect prices too heavily. So I think they're pretty good as a pickup. Yeah, I mean, when these came out, Alex, I can remember telling you these these are going to be the this is the investment. This is the one you should get. And I bought myself like playsets, most of them. I held on to them for a couple of years and they never went up. And when I sold all my stuff to buy the, the hummingbird behind me here, um, I think I probably got less money for them than I paid because they hadn't moved. But they've all finally started to move north of, you know, ten dollars more than than they were when I had them. And that was just last October. These ones to me are just a no brainer. I think you're you're dead right. Like they're. Everybody always liked Horizon Canopy because it, it's such a great way to get out of flooding. Now, they keep printing interesting and cool lands. 
that are very powerful that make a total, uh, you know, they make a strong argument in your deck. So cards like these are a pretty simple trick, but they are double color. They do come into play untapped. You can use them the turn they come into play and they have great late game uh, value. So I, from a play patterns like place, and also, I mean, this is something to add, you know, we're again, we'll talk about this when we get into the whole getting into modern episode, but like, if you want to get into modern and build something of your own, like you want to build a homebrew that you think is really cool, these cards are really hard to miss when you put them in a homebrew like that because it just gives your deck more and more options as the game goes on, which is great usually for homebrew decks that are trying to get like something out of the format because you're obviously doing something that is not a common idea. And so when that thing stalls out, as it inevitably often does, you will have utility in your lands, which is really great. No, yeah. and and. The other thing we want to kind of bring up as we're doing this is the lands that we're bringing up now are cards that we bring up now are cards that we think there is potential of it becoming more expensive in the future, which is why buying them now is a good idea. We're like, we could talk about fast lands, but I also think we're going back to Mirrodin sometime in the next two years. So I don't think you should buy fast lands. You should probably buy Kaladesh fast lands, I guess, but like definitely not, not, not the uh, Scars of Mirrodin ones. Um, the next land on that note, though, and these are dirt cheap pathways. You can buy oh, the most yeah. expensive pathway is $8. And most of them are within the four dollar range. And those are fantastic lands. They're so good. Yeah, they're like maybe one of the most powerful cycles of lands ever printed. It's impossible to keep track of which pathway is which pathway. Uh, but <laughs> um, and it's annoying when I want to look for path to exile now in any type of deck search app because all the pathways show up first. But they are just super powerful, super versatile, will always be good. Um, and I like as far as mana bases in modern go from a budget perspective, you could go a pretty long way just with a pathway based mana base so i think it's definitely worth picking up play sets of the whole stack of them i'm pretty sure that's exactly what i said when they first got printed i think i said to you these are so good if you use all of these together in a single format i feel like you'll probably be able to play two and three color decks pretty consistently without much struggle and maybe even maybe as good even as good as five color decks potentially um i think if you can't afford shocks and fetches you can do a pretty good impersonation with these cards I, I really think like if you're if the most expensive one is eight bucks, so the average maybe is like six dollars or something like that. So it's like what twenty four times five. No, no, I think like the average is like three dollars. So if the average, like, say, most average of them is are two dollars, and like one or two of them are eight. And there's ten of them, or there's five of them. Ten. There's ten of them. I mean, if you, if the average is let's say the average is five dollars, you want four each, right? Two hundred bucks gets you the entire mana base, the mm-hmm. whole thing, four of all of them. That's nuts. And you'll That's use a, them forever. Yeah, yeah, they're very sure. good. And then if you're willing to go a little bit more, you can get the full arts versions or one full art. What I've been doing is I have a full art foil of each one that I like have to the side. Uh, you can see some of them right here uh, in like clear sleeves. So, and I use those as like the back side when I'm playing okay. them so that Got you don't it. have to take them out of the sleeve. So I like bought a play set of foil full arts and then I have a bunch of the cheap regular ones that I just throw in decks. Um all right. And then so and then the last land I want to talk about today cycle is triomes. Really? Yeah. The cycling three color lands, the cycling three color lands. First off, uh, they're seeing like they're in modern. They're going to be a one of generally, but they're seeing play as one of having access to three colors that you can cycle for. And you can fetch for is just really powerful. Still um, late game. You can cycle them. They're great with stuff like Grand six, but also the ceiling is really high on them because they are just basically a every single commander deck that is three or more colors will play at least one. Yeah, that's moving fair. forward. They, they have that going commander deck. So like so like they are a modern card. It is a modern card that if you have fetch lands is very good. 
that then also has upside by being a staple and commander and through rotation they're worth doing they're all about ten dollars right now and it's kind of a perfect time to buy in plus you have the alternate art comic book versions which are gorgeous and they're not $10. that much more expensive i have a uh, foil full art one that i open when i open a bo- that box of icoria for our uh commander draft nice that's pretty sweet um so that that is the lands part of the conversation anything any any other lands you want to shout out real quick before we get on to uh modern horizon themed conversations i think you covered the ones that are essential because the ones you talked about are all high in value so i don't think there's a whole lot of likelihood that those are going to go down really mm-hmm. um i know celestial colonnade is kind of low right now Oh, oh, I do have Celestial Colonnade, but that is in not in the land section. You're right. Celestial Colonnade is five dollars. In fact, it was 40 bucks at one point. I think Celestial Colonnade is just going to I mean, blue, white or blue, white X will always be a deck modern control mm-hmm. deck. By no means a beginner deck, but it will always be a deck that people will play. And those colonnades are such an important part of that deck. I mean, they're just hugely, hugely I think, important. I think like one of the reasons they're low right now is that the the blue white control decks aren't playing um, more than one. Oh. Right? They're like playing one, and they're playing Castle Vantresses, which I was going to get to. I guess we can. I was going to wait for the castles until we got to to Eldraine. So I guess if we're doing all lands. Uh, we can talk about castles as well. But uh, Celestial Colonnade just like is only seeing one of into a play, and but like you can get the What's it called versions? Um, the. Uh, or they Friday night, Friday night. No, the buy, a, they... the buy a box. Uh, no, it was oh, uh, it was right. the the, the box from. No, no, no. They're like, um, I can't. The expedition. There's expedition celestial colonnades from Zendikar oh, Rising. Okay. That are like gorgeous. But like and they're like eight dollars. Jeez. Like so like I think I think that's a great pickup, to be honest, because I agree with you. I don't think there's ever going to be a time where celestial colonnades aren't dope. Uh, to I, mean, some I, do think, I do think the one thing to say about that, just to caution players who were like, they were 41, so I'll buy them for five. Eventually, they'll be back to 40. I do think the power level of Colonnade and the fact that it comes into play tapped is started to play against it just a little bit in terms of its its value in a modern deck. Mm-hmm. I think modern is so absurdly fast now that playing four tap lands in a deck like that is a, a gigantic sacrifice you make. It means you have no other opportunity really to play a tap land and you you have hands or you're going to draw two lands. They're both going to be colonnades and that's going to be really rough. So I do think maybe it's a little outclassed power wise at this point, but it can't be a bad buy at five. There's no way you lose money on that. Yeah, I think I think having them to play with. And as we talked about, if you wanted to go more of a value orient or like a budget version of a blue white control deck going with pathways and colonnades and other like lands that are a little bit more um, budget friendly isn't going to be a terrible way to go uh, as well. Uh, to get started and you'll the the colony will always be somewhat playable and that's why i was kind of pointing at the the expedition version because it is special uh and a little bit rare and it's like being decreased now because of the cost of celestial colony but probably will go up in the long run um and then the last land cycle as i already closed out lands but we're doing it again is um the castles so the castles from eldraine just rotated out uh, you know, we were just talking about Celestial Colonnade, which at one point, as Ben said, was a $40 card. And it currently is seeing multiple copies, uh, you know, two two cards pl- being played in blue-white control decks with Colonnade only playing one. And same rarity, only $3. or only $1.50 for one. And I only see upside with buying castles. I mean, they're very good. Um, they, they became a complete staple in you know the entirety of standard while they were getting played, and they already started to creep into modern. The blue one's great. 
the blue one is just great to have in a like late game situation when you have tons of mana. It's just such a good dig me out card. Yeah, the blue, the blue, the black, and the green one are the three that I would be picking up. Uh, the green one is just like a ramp spell on a land. Once you get the turn six, lets you cast primeval tens on turn five, and there'll be weird decks that want to play that in the future. Um, the black one is not as much a modern staple, but is a commander staple, so it's not a bad pickup as well. And then the blue one is seeing play everywhere. I think the blue ones are extremely powerful, and the fact that you can get copies for like less than two dollars is an but the insane red one option. Is- the red one is creatures get plus one plus oh and the white one makes a soldier correct or human or something yeah i think the blue one is the best one i don't think the rest of those are going to go up as much maybe the black one like you said for commander i can see that well the green one the um, green one sees a ton of playing commander too and and okay. pioneer so I, I think the green and the black one are both like total total easy buys and i think the green one is right now actually the most expensive one what about prismatic uh Oh, no, 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 never mind, never mind. Yeah, so I think that is the last land we are going to talk about. That is, that is it for lands. We're now on to Modern Horizons. So the overall conversation here, more important than anything, is do I think Modern Horizons and do you think Modern Horizons 2 cards are going to go down anytime soon? Or Modern Horizons 1 cards? Horizons 1, we've had a few years. So I think Horizons 1 cards are probably going to stay pretty close to where they are, unless you'll probably see specific cards spike. But I think that in general, uh, Horizons 1 has probably had enough time that you have a good sense of what the median card is going to be. I think something like an Urza could keep going up. I think there are certain cards that are iconic, maybe, that are that will keep going up. But I don't think it's going to fluctuate that much. Horizons 2 is really interesting because I think it was opened pretty aggressively, right? People really like that set. I know a lot of there people wasn't, opened there wasn't There wasn't a Grand Prix. Uh, that that True. that play with them the paper magic wasn't happening in stores so there wasn't a lot of drafting people bought boxes but i don't know if actually it was heavily opened it was successful said, all things said because we're in the world of covid but it, i don't think it was bought in a it wasn't opened in a way that modern horizons one was to be honest horizons two is a bananas powerful level set it's mm-hmm. one of the most powerful sets of all time it's kind of actually a shockingly powerful set so i think probably I think Horizons 2 cards will go up, not down. I don't think there's any Horizons 2 card that's going to go down. Do you? <sighs> Outside of bans, Aragavon ban, Dragonway Channeler ban, etc. I agree. I think we're I think we're looking at a uh uh like I think the bottom was while like in the middle of preview season for some of these cards and like immediately afterwards. I think some cards will fluctuate. You know, there's like random stuff that might over time go down does uh ennoble hierarch just not see play with ragavan legal or does jundex not play it maybe i don't think that's true i think that card's really good so like s sentinel like does it have an ideal home yet or like right there's like there's like like the, the problem is it's the it's it's modern horizons 2's expensive cards aren't gonna go anywhere it's Modern Horizon 2's $5 cards are the one that like, hey, there's maybe a lot of money to make. Like you just go all in, for instance, on Crashing Footballs. And you made a bunch of money if you went all on Crashing Football because before Modern Horizons 2, that card was bad. Wasn't seeing any play. And then the, the, the right cards got printed for it to be now a staple of the format. Great. You know, that that's kind of where it is. On the other hand, there's a like that shinobi the the changeling the blue white changeling from modern horizons one there's like a bunch of cards that you could have gone in on at five dollars and are not seeing any play so it's it's hard i do think it's really hard to know for those sets i think some are really easy i think the fact that prismatic ending 
right now is a $4 card when it's better than Path to Exile probably ever was. And Path to Exile was a 10 plus dollar card for years is like, oh, easy. Buy prismatic endings at four. Or if you can get them for three, great. And just hold on to them or buy foils and hold on to them forever. Right. Like, right, right, right. That's a card. Unless Wizard starts printing them. And like the, the cool thing about prismatic ending is it has a mechanic on it that is not easy to print reprint anywhere right you don't you don't have the ability oh, to the color in a color thing how many colors were spent to play to pay its cost yeah the the like the, that ability is not a like keyword it's keyworded so it can't really show up on random planes so that it's not going to ever be in standard because that ability is never going to come back it is not popular uh that's why it's in modern horizons as heavily as it is because they're like we liked this card mechanically but no one liked it in standard um and so like that's an easy option, right? I think that like beyond that, just there's like a lot of cards that are just like making a bet. I think that's my like I think they're right, like buy if like Ragavan doesn't get banned, you should buy them now. I mean it's really good. I checked the other day. I checked the other day and my full art foil that I opened in that box, it's more expensive than it was even then. It's like $175 now. Right, right. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> I could and, sell that thing. I could sell that thing on eBay and pay for almost the cost of the box. Right. And that's kind of like the weird thing. In some ways, buying sealed product is maybe what's worth it in the Modern Horizons world. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, if you can still get sealed boxes for decent prices, I think that's where your money's at. Because the thing is, the epically expensive cards from Horizons 2, the ones that are going to go just crazy, mm-hmm. it's going to be like, it's going to be full art, foil, Ragavan. Or it'll be like showcase foil or like special sketch showcase, whatever that was called, of um, the the Delve guy that's all over Blue Red right now. The Merktide you know, Regent. Yeah, Merktide. Mm-hmm. It'll be like the special foil version of Merktide Regent. It'll be, you know, there'll be three or four cards that'll be like $300 in a couple of years. And so then you're going to look at the price of a sealed box and everyone's going to know there's a possibility that pack fresh, you know, foil, full art Ragavan or something is in there. And you get more, you get even more money for the box. I think if you can get value on buying a box of Horizons 2, I would do that in a second. Right. There's no way that goes down. I do think, I do think like Urza Saga isn't going anywhere. That seems to have calmly saved itself. The decks that it's good in are also pretty value oriented. We're going to talk about Primeval Titan in a second. So I think like there's other cards that are easy to grab uh, from this set that like were really hyped. Um, as Mordecai is a good example, like if they print more food cards anywhere, I think that card gets better, right? Like there's, there's cards that were on the verge. Uh, the elementals seem to have come down a little bit. Like the red fury, I think is a good pickup right now. Endurance and solitude are really hard. Uh, the black one I actually think is maybe not a bad pickup cause it is seeing a lot of play, but it's like a little bit, you know, uh, hated on because of how high people were on that effect when it was first printed and how actually kind of mediocre it was. Um, so like looking at the set, being smart about it, uh, I think is 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 a is a fine option, uh, but I do think it kind of is interesting, just like how these cards have ended up being weird, weird in the format. Um, but yeah, so that's 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 where I'm kind of at on the horizon sets. I think for both of them, some of these cards are just never going to be like like printing all these cards all at once is going to be really hard and just finding out the right ones that they don't you don't think could be standardly like Archmage's Charm is already 20 bucks. But if you look at other rares from that set it has it, it can go farther up. So 
they're kind of the big bear at entry of this format. But the ones I would look at are the ones that are being played in multiple decks like Urza Saga or Urza. And then and then figuring out what decks you want to play and then buying into those. God, you could have gotten rich on Archmage's turn. That card, that card was getting tossed around for months as a nothing card. It was a while before people started playing with it. Now it's like a format defining card. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. good. Yep. I think it needed counterspell. Yeah, maybe. Uh, like like it 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 needed something less expensive than it that was good in the format that made it worthwhile playing it as well. But yeah, no, it's crazy. Um, all right. So that that's it. Unless you have anything else on 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 the world of Modern Horizons to talk about. Obviously, if you guys have any any cool cards that you think would be a good pickup for Modern Horizons, comment below. Um, We do want to hear that. But five, the next section is going to be um, we're going to go to the rotation. So Eldraine. So that's that's really the big part. We're at the halfway point of the episode. So great moment. Um, Rotation is classically one of the best times to buy the cards. Now, it, it is always sometimes a little late. Often the best time to buy into a rotating format card staples is like during the core set release. So like when AFR was being released would be a perfect time to buy these cards because often it's a lame duck standard format. People are trying to sell it at that point or there's not a lot of standard going on because they don't want to feature it because it is such a weird moment. But. We're still in there. There's still a bunch of staples from Eldraine. Uh, like I'm going to read like these are all cards that are really great. Emery, three dollars. Gilded Goose, three dollars. Bone Crusher, the like altered art, which is a staple right now. Zing Bay and one of the best de- or multiple of the best decks, two dollars. Wish Claw wow. Talisman like that card will eventually be broken in modern and is is a extraordinarily powerful CDH card and EDH card. Two dollars. Charming yeah. Prince, which like pound for pound, one of the best blink cards ever printed. Super versatile, has a chance of being really great in modern as well. Two to, less than two dollars. The castles, which we mentioned before, $5 on average, right? Like these are all modern staples or potential modern staples and dirt yeah. cheap. Last but not least, which is like probably the most expensive, important card to buy. Brazen Borrower, $14. That's crazy. That's going to be that's going to be 60 bucks in a couple of years. Vendelian Click was a comparable card, $70 card. Yeah, it's I mean, that card is so good. Borrower, I think I think at this point, I'm convinced that Borrower is better. I think it's a better card. Oh, pound, I think easy. It's a better yeah. card. I'm just I'm just like. It's a similar slot. You play somewhere between two and four of them. Powerful three, three mana mythic. And 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 your point is correct. It's I think it's way better than Vendelian Click and Vendelian Click was $70. Yeah, click has <laughs> click, click has value in the sense that it allows you to, you know, wash away one of your own cards if you need to. Mm-hmm. So that there is some difference. It's not like a strictly better than Dillion Click. Well, I, I think, do think that Click is. I think it's not strictly better, but the argument that it's better is that what Vendillion Click does is less useful less often than bouncing any permanent. Yeah, and, for sure. For sure. Drawing your card. Right. Um, yeah, I don't like like Emery. Emery is a card that. I think has always been overshadowed by the fact that Urza exists. Like Emery came out and then six months later, Urza came out and that was when that deck started being a thing. And Emery was always like, I'm also here, but Caesar is a four of in every deck that is Urza, not every deck that Urza is in, but mo- a lot of decks that Urza is in Emery is in there hanging out as a four of, and this card is really, really powerful and is going to continue to be really powerful. And it's funny to me that this card that I would argue is maybe one of the most powerful cards ever printed 
like you know top 200 not top 10 just like is that good but then urza which is better by a, by magnitudes was printed so soon afterward that we forget that emery is there being like artifact snapcaster mage <laughs> emery's like yeah i mean emery's so good and like i think i remember i can remember emery getting previewed and us talking about it like well and loros was printed too i guess so like loros yeah. and urza together are making emery like sad because it's like i was so good and then these strictly better versions are exist but i still think emery's really powerful yeah just like so much value um yeah no i think i think like and and bone crusher giant sees a ton of play in the cascade decks like the ability to be a two mana removal spell also the damage preventage clause on bone crusher giant is like super underrated the amount of times you like get someone who's used some type of fog effect like Using Bone Crusher Giant and Commander against the Fairy Protection is one of the most thoroughly enjoyable experiences I've ever been able to pull off. Uh, and like that type of effect exists in Modern as well. And it's such a useful ability to make sure, like out of burn decks, make sure that people don't have a way to stop you from winning the game against them. You're saying um, damage can't be prevented? Yeah, yeah, the damage that clause. Be, yeah, that clause. Um, and yeah, no, I think I think just like picking up all these Eldraine staples and multiples will, is going to treat you very well. The one that stands out to me is definitely uh, well, I mean, there's a lot, but Wishclaw Talisman stands out to me in a huge way. I've I've used that card a few times now in a few different brews. I've played it in CDH. I played it in EDH. Um, it's a really powerful card. You can you can time it and do all kinds of cool stuff with it. That uh, is just very, very, very good. I was playing. Speaking of, you know, speaking of borrower, I was playing a deck with like four borrowers and Wishclaw Talismans and it's super fun. You, you, you play Wishclaw, you get your card, it goes to them before they can use it. You borrow it back to your hand. Um, and, uh, now because they control it and then you just replay it and then you have your borrower. It's like a really, really, really good, uh, just like a good combination. Oh yeah. Oh, why? Oh, I'm also looking at midnight haunt. I was like, why? I'm trying to look at what the other most expensive cards, like the great henge is always just going to be super expensive. I think that one's really hard. Oko is like a card that's not super playable. Embercleave is already $18 and Questing Beast, which is $15. I don't think either of them are going to ever be super big staples in in modern. Um, so that's kind of why we weren't pointing at them. But Brazen Borrow is the most expensive at a market price of $14 and a low at nine uh, is like a great pickup. Right. And like there's continued stuff, even stuff like Ayara, the first of Lockwain is a super powerful effect that if there's ever a mono black devotion aristocrats list that gets printed because enough cards get printed into it. This card becomes a very, very, very important piece to that. Uh, Stone Coil Serpent as the X mana zero zero is like action for multicolored, right? The best X mana artifact that isn't that that you can cast regularly. I mean, with Walking Bliss in the format and with. Um, uh, 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 brainstorming Hangerback off. Walker, Hangerback Walker. Thank you. Walking Bliss and Hangerback Walker. It's it's the third best, but there are a lot of decks that have existed in an egg type shell that wants just as many of these as possible. And this is an option there. Um, and just, yeah, I don't like, it's just, it's just as far as a format deck goes, like standard sucked for so long because Eldraine exists because it was so powerful that new cards just weren't playable. And we now live in a world where those cards are now the cheapest they'll ever be. Hushbringer is also, you know, on this list. You have stuff like Rankle. You have stuff like one, uh, not Once Upon a Time. That card isn't legal in any format. Um, uh, Robber of the Rich, right? Like, there's just all of these really powerful cards that, like, we've talked about before. Feasting Troll King is a, you know, is a card that was seeing modern play earlier this season in food decks. 
Yeah, I, I do. I do agree with you. And I think that a lot of the stuff you mentioned, one of the cards you mentioned there does stand out to be it's Hushbringer. I think Hushbringer is a card that that's going to be one of those sneaky cards you're going to look back in like two years and it's going to be like $13 or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be it's going to have just become like one of the standard cards that people play in like certain hate style decks or it's, you know, that card is built to be good. That card is built to just be a format defining card in its color at a certain point because it's taking advantage of like a lot of the most powerful things that anything does. Right. Um, and it's like one of the best versions of that that I've ever seen. So I'll bet you Hushbringer is a great pickup. Yeah. Even stuff like drown in the lock is only it like is a $2, right? Like, yeah, I think, yeah. I think, I think this set is like ripe with reprints and, and definitely recommend it. So the next set we're going to talk about is Theros block. Um, and Theros, when I looked through it, I was like, Oh damn, right. Like Ikoria and Eldraine are often heralded as these giant power sets, and like Theros is kind of forgotten in the middle. But then when you look at it, you're like, oh right, this is the set with Thassa's Oracle, Dry of the Legion Grove, Underworld Breach, right. Ox of Agnos. <laughs> uh even something like Woe Strider is like around a dollar right now. I would buy 50 of those. I'd recommend that I- to anyone. Like that card is going to be worth so much money in tat five, unless it gets reprinted in every commander product ever printed. Woe Strider, which Woe Strider is in that type of card position, if it doesn't get printed, if it somehow gets forgotten because escape is weird, that card will be worth like ten dollars easy. In, don't, in three don't, years. don't we also have Uro and uh, yeah, yeah, Rosa? yeah. Sorry, those were those are the cards that were like under ten, like affordable that were powerful. Yeah, Uro and Croxa, but they're both Uro's banned in modern. Croxa is a forty dollar card now. Croxa like already shot up. You've already missed. That's another card that if you bought a bunch of them when they were like eight dollars, you would have. Made a lot of money. Made a lot of money. But um, even Shadow Spear is a card that I think is like highly underrated. It's super powerful. It's like sees tons of play in modern out of hammer decks or anything with Stoneforge missing as a sideboard option. And as a commander, like like a future commander staple, I did a top. I did a power nine of equipment on Twitter a while back uh, based on the conversation we had on the um, stream. stream and like. I had Shadow Spear on that list, and it wasn't the one people were pointing out being like, "Does that belong?" <laughs> it, was, it was like it's cheap. It's cheap and really powerful. I mean, I, th- I you know I think most people imagine you have like you know GTA and you have cranial plating and you've got skull clamp and you've probably got one of the swords at least, if not two of the swords. You start to get past those key ones, those main, main, main ones, and yeah, the the power level drops pretty far off to a lot of old equipment and then just like a lot of like uncommon equipment that shows up for draft. But I mean, a card like Shadow Spear is—it's so cheap. It's so, did Collar make your list? I imagine Massless Collars play on there. Uh, no, didn't make it. Huh? No, it was. It you was have, like it was. A, it was the bubble. Uh, I don't have it on me. We don't have to do that in this episode. We I posted okay. it on Twitter. We can do that another time. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like Heliod's up there. Like right, Crooks is eighteen to twenty. Heliod's around twenty dollars as well. Dryad of the Elysian Grove full art is around that $20 price point. But like Heliod and Croaks are both like cards to like. Pick them up now, because I don't think they're going to be reprinted anytime soon. Croaks is so specific and hard to reprint and was just in a secret layer. Heliod was also kind of has that uh, had a showcase version of the card printed, but it's like another card that's really hard. To, that one, Heliod might be reprinted. I can see them reprinting it, but it's just Crokes like so powerful. Crokes I can see them. Get- 
Croxa will get a reprint in like a Horizons style set. It'll 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 have to be a special release type of set. I don't think they're going to print that in anything else. Or like they did the secret layer, right? But that's already kind of come out. Thassa's Oracle, the full art version is $18. I think like looking at what the full art looks like and then looking at the regular and realizing like, oh, it's only $750. Thassa's Oracle has a huge ceiling to kind of get to. Ox of Agnos is the same deal, like $12 for the, 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 the extended art, but like $3 for the regular one. In modern, it doesn't matter how cool your cards look. It matters that you can play the deck and like these cards are easy to pick up there. Underworld Breach is in the same boat. That card will forever be insane. Satesian Champion is also really powerful. Like there's a lot of big depth here and a lot of it is pretty undervalued considering how powerful we know they can be in modern or in the future of modern. Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, I think that's that is all of the cards, though, that are of significance to Theros. I'm like looking to see if there's anything. Uh, Destiny Spinner. It's already like there's like some uncommons that are in there. Uh, Gravebreaker Lamias, if you can get the full art ones for two dollars, oh. are pretty okay. good as like a long term hold. There's like some less expensive long term stuff here that like these are more like in six years. This card is going to be worth something, not like in one year. And if you want to like make a bucket of cards, Galia of the Endless is actually a card I could say like uh, it's not. The other satyrs get plus one, plus one out of haste. And mind you, that could randomly be worth something because at random times we can go to another set with satyrs on it and they're really good. But it's the when you attack with three or more creatures, you may discard a card at random if you do draw two cards. Yeah, it's like sweet. a powerful dredge mechanic that has seen play in other formats and could be something that does something in modern. And well, what's the creature type again? Satyr. Yeah, right. So you could, when are we going to get some support for satyr? Every you time know, we go wanna... to Theros. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Seder Tribal, that card will be so expensive when that actually happens. It, every Hey, just some more Theros trips and we're there. Uh, I'm trying to see if there is anything else. I think that is pretty much the limit. The other one is like Archon of Sun's Grace, but that's like 24 cents. Actually, the fact that Archon of Sun's Grace and Elsbeth's Conqueror's Death are both like under 30 cents is like yeah. a thing <laughs> that is true. I mean, Elspeth, um, that's a good Elspeth. The planeswalker is up, but the 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 that conquers death for sure is the 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 saga. Oh 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 oh! Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, I don't think regular the planeswalker Elsbeth will ever see play in modern. You'd have to be something very specific to make that happen. Um, all right, so that's that's Theros. Next set we're going to talk about is uh, Ikoria. This one's a this set. Uh, this is a oh. weird one because uh, it's it's not as it's shallow and not shallow at the same time. But what, what were you going to say? I was going to say, this is the first set that came out like firmly in pandemic lockdown mm-hmm. season. Like this, this set existed in a time when stores were forced to close and people ordered this. But like even seeing your friends at the very beginning of the pandemic, once it became like a real thing, even seeing your friends was not something most of us were doing right at the beginning. So I don't think this set got opened or drafted hardly at all. I think online probably far more likely. I don't think there's that much of it like like uh, lurking around. I think the even the sealed product is probably fairly cheap. It's not my favorite set. It does have some very powerful cards, though. I kind of love this set, actually. I like the really? vibe. I love the cards from it. I love how like cool all the monsters are. Yeah, I don't know. I like I like really love Ikoria. Um, I like Mutate a lot. I love the companion mechanic mechanic outside of uh, like tournament play, like companion and EDH is like really dope. I have like three companion decks at this point. Um, but that's kind of the first place I want to start. Laros is currently seven dollars. Uh, its full art version is in the teens, right? Um, Kihira, so which is the second most expensive of them, 
is, and you only need one in modern, right? Like it's a one of card. You don't need to put yeah. a muscle. Kahira is the full art version is $7. The rest of the companions are lower. I think you should be, you should buy companion cards. Like if, if you're, if for investment purposes, going deep on companion is a great idea from just making sure you own a good copy of each companion. Cause at any moment, any of them could be worth money. Kahira is a great example, right? That card four months ago, if you were like, is Kahira a good companion? I'd be like, no, it's one of the bad ones, right? It hasn't seen any play or hasn't seen any play since like the rule changed. And now it's the second most played one. Like Yorian's no longer in the top three. It's it's Luros, Kahira. Excuse me. So Kahira, Kahira is and, so yeah, that's be- Kahira is just because if you're playing a control deck without creatures, it's just a free creature late Correct. in the game to win with. Correct. So 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 but but blue white control decks are not playing with Snapcaster Mage to play with Kahira. Huh. Like they're just like, you know what? Snapcaster Mage isn't worth it versus just having a companion in the companion zone. Right, because for a control deck, it essentially it gets for free out of Kahira what you want, which is I don't ever want to draw my creature I'm gonna win with until I've completely shut you down. <laughs> and then I'm glad to draw it. But if right. I draw it before then, it's a wasted card in my hand. I want so, na- I want nine mana and I want a hand of three counter spells and I want you to be top decking. And then yeah, exactly. I want to <laughs> never draw my and I never want to draw my creature until the turn I need it. So it's almost like sort of the perfect. It's funny that Kira is like the least menacing creature ever. It's like not a good creature, but it's a good enough creature to win. Like a three two Lord. Yep. 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 <laughs> What's funny, too, is that like I would be looking at any cat nightmare, whatever the Kira things are. Yeah, let me, let me look up Kahira uh, just to see, like, in the future, if there's a control type card with that creature type accidentally, it becomes like fascinating. Right. If they put like yeah. <laughs> just because like, oh, I can just free roll this in this deck that I'm already playing Kahira and it's good here. And it's like a, you know, a wall of omens like effect or sure, sure. A, right. Like Snapcaster Mage, but for three mana or something like does that become worth it because you can play them together? And the answer is maybe. So cool. Yeah. Um, but but the point is, is like at any moment, a card could be printed that makes the uh, Zerda, the red white companion, just like bonkers in the format. At any moment, right. they could print a card that makes Kahuga worth playing already. Like if the Cascade decks weren't trying to play with zero drops, it looks like a card that would be interesting. Yorion can bounce back, right? Like it's currently four dollars for a four at one. But at any moment, that control deck might be interesting uh gyruda not gyruda yeah gyrua gyruda is another option of like that card has a combo if the right pieces get printed it can come back like all of these companions to me are worth picking up gigantha is another one that in a lot of decks might just be a free roll you just might like oh my deck can play with a gigantha why not it's kind of a good idea, I think, in general, because I would say how many years has it been now since they started really kind of arbitrarily printing so many different variations of cards? Was it like started with masterpieces and then it kind of went from there? So like it was, it was really Eldrain. Eldrain. Eldrain was the first set with the showcase frames. OK, so like, yeah, so, so it's, it's been it's been two plus years now. Um, well, about two years. Uh, and it does feel like going forward, there's this interesting phenomenon where if you pick the coolest, rarest foil version of one of those cards, when you're talking about a maybe card, something that is two or three bucks, but you know is good, and you load up and you get, you know, at least your playset. But you, if it's only like maybe three dollars for that card right now in a full art foil version, maybe you buy fifty, <laughs> because at any point in time, if one of those gets expensive, 
it the the foil full art special version is going to skyrocket differently than the others. It'll just all be on a curve, and that one just ends up at the top of the curve like, in a pre- by a pretty wide margin. Like I'll tell you this right now, uh, Umari the Collector, the extended art edition, is less than a dollar. And I know multiple people in the CDH community who are freaking out about cool ideas they can come up with you with Umari. And that is extending into the EDH community, realizing that this card is dope, not as a companion, but as a commander, right? These are also all just legendary creatures you can have as your commander. And if any of them become good enough, they can become like worthwhile things to have copies of. Karuga's in that same train. What? Except for the blue red one. Except for the blue red one. Now the blue red one, can be a modern card though like that's a card i could see like if there is ever a reason where for that effect to be playable like if there's a char belcher like card that has similar requirements to as like lurch lutri that like then makes you want to do that combo i could like lutri is another like lutri needs a zerta like situation where the deck needs to make sense for it but the moment it does this card becomes very powerful um so yeah that's that's kind of where i'm at on like just the companion mechanic. And then Ikoria has a bunch of other cards, right? You have um, Shark Typhoon is currently $10. And that card is just like going to be good forever. Forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a high. For me, it's high on the list of must be picked up cards. And it's it's expensive, I think, already for a rare. You know, it's that, that type of card normally would be at this point in time. By now, we'd probably be looking at like four bucks. I think that's in a normal. I think that's partially because people know, right? Right. And then like the triomes are twelve dollars. Right. I think you there's a chance that you kind of already missed the boat on on the triomes. I think so. Yeah. They were like a bit they were a dollar or less for one point. Right. Um like Janeth Magistrate was like great a great hair uh, hate bear. Winota, who's like if the right human is printed in modern, could just become another like a modern deck on her own. Like she's that powerful. Um and so yeah, I think I think it just also has cards. I think I think though the big one to me is the companions. I think like that mechanic is so specifically powerful. Um that and Winota, maybe Winota and those are like the two that to me like these are cards that are currently underrated and and are totally have potential to see play in modern and are worth picking up. I guess as far as uncommons go, Bastions of Remembrance, which is yeah, the I mean, that's, that's that's always a that's always a uh a very powerful ability. That's the black one, right? That's, that's the blood artist black one. That's the bl- blood arson enchantment, right? Correct. And yeah. like the fact that that card is not killable is a thing that blood artists always had a problem with. And that's a pretty easy, easy thing to kind of pick up on as a card that p- have potential. Agreed. Yeah, that's that one's uh, quite good. Winoda, I agree that has that has definite, uh, definite potential. Um. All right. So that that's all my Ikoria ones, unless you have something else. No, I was trying to remember if there was any of the giant uh, dragons, maybe, because they were all not dragons, but mutate so, legendary three color. Because right. I, unless those are already more than ten, but I feel like one of those could take off at any point in time. So the the Godzilla versions of them are all pretty expensive, um, just because those are like commanders that would be really popular. I personally have a soft spot for Vadrock. Uh, if I was going to pick one of these just because it does have Jeskai ascendancy potential and like it has that Snapcaster Mage text basically on it for four mana you can Snapcaster Mage a spell it's and the, then it's, it's the it's the three color one or uh, sorry the blue 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 white Jeskai. red 
Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I think it's not. I don't think it's modern playable. Like uh, as much as like it's dope in Commander. Nethroi is the the Abzan one. I also don't know if that effect is modern playable. It never really even saw playing standard. The one that's like vaguely interesting to me is the um is the the rug one. Which I'm trying to find the actual copy of it. Um, yeah, because the Mardu one is also a Luna Apex of Witches who has the text uh, three blue, green hybrid, blue, blue. Uh, when this creature mutates exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non land permanent card, put that card onto the battlefield in- or into your hand and you can like use it to get omniscience into play. Now, I don't think that works. I think that works when it's your commander, right? I think that's like a commander cool trick. And that's why the most expensive uh, commander right now is Aluna is the is the is the like uh, Godzilla version of Aluna, the most expensive card in the set. So like with that in mind, I don't think it's that good. I think it's good there. Um, I to me, it's more of a like mutates hard and expensive in that format. I don't think those those five, any of them really have strong potential there with Vadrock just being a three man, a three, three first strike flyer is like, I think the other thing to point out then on Ikoria is very similar to uh, the other set with horizons Two. I think sealed product. I think that it's not that big of a set and you open a good number of those legendary creatures. Like <laughs> you get a full art full of any of those. It almost pays for the box. Like, I, well, and, I don't and, know how much boxes of Coria cost right now, but I can't guess that much. Like, Triomes, Legendary Creature, Mythics, and and the Companions all on their own have, like, some value. And then you add some of the other stuff that's in the set. I can see that. Yeah, sure. Um, one for $108 right now. You can just buy a sealed box of it for 108 bucks. I mean, that's a steal. You heard it here. Ozolith is, like, 15 bucks. Yeah, I don't know if you get I don't know if it's quite there yet, but it, holding on to it for a while, a lot of these cards will become more and more larger staples in the format for sure. Um, all right. So so that's a Coria. The next section is Time Spout Remastered um, and Time Spout Remastered is kind of a set. The world forgets came out. Yeah, agreed. Like I forgot Time Spout Remastered happened. And part it's of because it, it came out so close to Horizons 2, they just completely pooped on it, Yeah, which which in its defense, it was supposed to come out six months before. Yeah, like that was what was supposed to come out during a dead zone of the summer. And then because of COVID, they like delayed it a few months because they just couldn't get the product in the US. Um, and like they were trying, hoping maybe that COVID would have slowed down. But with that in mind, um, here's a fun fact. How much do you think Tarmogoyf costs right now? <laughs> well, last I checked, it was like. Forty five dollars, maybe it was like pretty low. I don't know. Maybe it's gone. Down. I guess no one's really playing it. So what is it now? Like it's seeing it's seeing 20... like if you go to Jun lists, uh, both both Zoomer and Boomer Jund are playing are playing it. It is not not 20, 22 bucks. Twenty dollars. Wow. Crazy. Twenty dollars. Eighty dollars gets you a playset. They used to be one hundred dollars each. Yeah, like four four percent of the metagame is playing four Tarmogoyf, right? Like like Tarmogoyf is still a staple in Jund decks in that's that, and that's Zoomer Jund, which doesn't even include Boomer Jund, right? So like. Yeah, I, I, I would pick up a playset of Tarmogoyfs today, tomorrow, if I didn't already have enough of them that I don't need them like. Z- four eighty dollars for 
to give to give everyone an understanding who hasn't been playing uh, modern from the very beginning of the format when modern launched tarmogoyf was an 80 dollar card and then it became a 125 dollar card and then it was a 150 yeah. dollar card then it got reprinted and got broke down to 70 then went back to 110 then went back down to 70 when it printed again then it was at 100 for a long time and now it's 20 dollars <laughs> It's just, I mean, the format is really fast. The format is really fast. So a two-mana good stuff creature is I, great, but it's not fast enough to beat a lot of the things in the format. I mean, it's it's wonderful, but, but it's, I don't I like it's seeing four of play in a deck that's five percent of the metagame online, right? So it's to me, I don't know if I agree that it's not good. I think it's I think two things have happened. I think you what you're saying is what a lot of people believe. Right. You're you're stating the fact that like, oh, th- you know, I'm t- I'm hearing about all these decks that Tarmogoyf isn't in. Tarmogoyf can't be good anymore. Jund's bad. Like every time you talk to Michael, he'll just tell you that Jund is bad. He <laughs> he's wrong. It continues to perform very well. But like there's like kind of this like old status of like, oh, yeah, Jund decks aren't very good. They just like exist forever and people are really good at them. And that's why they do well. And like Tarmogoyf is a four of in all of those decks and still is and is still a very good. And it's in the Luros versions because you can play it with Luros. I think that's yeah, one of the things is, that helps it. That's really significant. Yeah, I think it was reprinted pretty heavily. Right. We've just now gotten yeah. a lot of printings of it. It's not the exciting, expensive card in the format the way that Raghavan is. Right. There's there's higher choke points than Tarmogoyf. The other thing I think is just like if you wanted your playset of Tarmogoyfs, you could get them. There's just not been enough printings of it that all the people that were interested in getting them could get them. And now the problem is getting Raghavans, not Tarmogoyfs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, Goyf was that card forever. And as you mentioned, every time you reprint it, there was there was like a running joke almost with Tarmogoyf as like the marquee reprint card. And they did it so many times that it just finally went down to 20 bucks, yep. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I think it being on the, the time spiral sheet is like the final thing that put it in into the yeah. into the cheapness. Uh, the other cards, like I mentioned, I mentioned I was going to mention Primeval Titan earlier. Four dollars. <laughs> Best creature ever printed. <laughs> Part of that is because of how expensive it was in the secret layer, like the secret layer, plus it being banned in uh, another format. Where was pr- oh, oh primetime is banned in, in EDH now? Yeah, it's been banned in EDH forever, uh, but it was banned. I thought it was banned somewhere else. I might be wrong. It might have been. Oh, it was Uro. It was Uro that was Uro. banned right before it because it was. It was in the Uro secret layer, and it was like Primeval Titan, who's banned in EDH and banned, uh, who's banned in EDH, and Uro. Uro, who got banned in Modern and was banned in Standard and banned in Pioneer, I believe. And so, like, it was just like this is this one's for, and then the the other card in it is Frost Titan, right? So it was like, I wonder if you were to go through every banning in the history of Modern, what the most absurd banning actually is. Or just the history of magic at that. I wonder if you were to go back to the beginning of magic, every banning that's ever happened. Just what is the oh, most oh. completely absurd? Like you look at it and you're just like, what? This card was good enough to get banned? How? Old. There's old stuff. There's like, yeah. like wasn't like, isn't there like a flying tutu that was banned or something like that? Uh, no, it was, uh, it was, um, they banned. The, it was in it was in one of the reprint sets recently. Uh, one blue, two colorless, flying, three, four, beginning your upkeep, lose one life. Uh, Saren, Saren, uh, Ifrit, the Ifrit, or Jin? Yes, Saren, uh, did Ifrit, I think, because the Jin. That's the card, though. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. I think, got, I think that got banned. Sure, right? Like, like old cards. I, I don't think if like if you're taking the context of old magic, it's hard to figure out like what they were. You know what they're thinking? Cards were terrible then. Modern, I think, is an interesting conversation. I think the dumbest card 
like the least powerful card to have been banned is maybe Bloodbraid Elf. Yeah, that one's pretty nuts. Bloodbraid Elf is and to have for how long it was on the ban list. Wild Nakadal. Yeah, well. that one. That that's got to be crazier than Bloodbraid. Bloodbraid's a powerful card. Nakadal is like <laughs> it's like this conditional one man of three three. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's like, like so funny. Like ancestral visions was up there, right? But that one, like, it does see play and is good, and like it's also understandable why they banned it. Like Nakadal was like. In the first six months of modern, Zoo was too good, but it also had like Punishing Fire. Punishing Fire. Like it got banned at the same time as Punishing Fire and Green Sun Zenith. Like all got banned together, right? And those were the problem cards, probably, and not Wild the Coddle, the thing that dies the lightning bolt. Um, like imagine Splinter Twin, Birthing Pot, and Wild the Coddle being in the format. What of those three cards sees play? <laughs> Uh, and Bloodbraid Elf with with Deathrite Shaman. <laughs> yeah, it's so wild. Like Deathrite, um, Death one of the most powerful creatures ever. Yeah. How so, close to the so top of the list do you think is? Uh, Yawgmoth's only $20. That's that's one thing to point out, is that like Time Spiral Remastered did do that. That is, and by the way, that is where I can see them doing more um, reprinting Modern Horizons cards in ways that they need to, is going to Remastered says, if they did like Innistrad Remastered, like right, they could just right. have a time spiral sheet like remastered sets could have time spiral sheets on them. Yeah, that's a good point. And then they yeah. should right? like that. And that way, that way, the sets are a cool draft format. It's a little bit of a new spin on what that draft was kind of the way Strixhaven had it like Strixhaven. The best part of Strixhaven is the mystical archives. The reason Strixhaven, if you look at the value of cards from that set is really low is because mystical archives and demonic tutors were in boxes. I think I think stuff like Mystical Archive was so popular. I can see Wizards doing it again. And yeah, I think I think fair. that's where you get a lot of these modern horizon cards to be able to be reprinted without having them to be in standard, um, especially because it helps them with 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 horizons to get it on or onto arena. Um, other cards, uh, Eternal Witness, only five dollars for the alternate art version. I mean, it's classic. Always, um, always going to be good. I think the Prime of Four dollars is insane. Uh, Thought Seize is currently only fifteen dollars. OK. That's I mean, that's not it's cheaper than peak thoughtsies, but it was it it was down to like. It was down to like 17 kind of recently, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's been it's been that that like zone for a while now. Um, years, I think. When I asked this online, a lot of people brought up Snapcaster Mage. Snapcaster Mage is for 50 bucks. It's not what it was at. It was at like 80, 70, but I think $50 is still not cheap. Yeah. I don't think that's a... I would, and in, right now, I would even say Snapcaster Mage isn't seeing a lot of play because it's not because of Kihira. So uh, even then, it like is a little worrisome. Walking Blister being at $15, though. Yeah, that card's like a combo finisher. It's like... Yeah, Blister's really good. It's a this, really unique card. And then, uh, and I have a conversation on Walking Blister in a second, but Karn is at... Th- at currently at 35 and it's been 80 for a long time and snap that's why snapcaster at 47 is interesting and i think that's the difference is 30 to 47 like that's and that's something that is like walking bliss and current kind of point of this paper magic is different than moto it's a lot different than moto to be honest Even the results you're talking about uh what the what a format looks like when it's in paper and there's a few reasons. One is playing stuff like walking ballista decks is actually really hard on Moto. The timing constraints of going through that infinite combo and people making you play it out makes Heliod decks a lot harder to do well, especially when they're they are not superly well favored. Um, add that add the fact that you now have like Karn decks like Tron is a popular GP deck. It's not a popular 
online deck because it's like relatively not the best deck, but it's a not an expensive deck where the main choke points is Karn. So Karn being only $35 is a really easy buy-in to one of the like a great deck for to play in modern forever. Um, you might not win a GP, but not everyone's trying to win a GP. You're trying to have fun in a tournament and Tron is going to ruin people's day in a great way often. And like yeah. looking at decks that like maybe haven't performed well because they aren't doing well. And on when most of magic is being played, most of modern magic is playing Modo, but could do well in Vegas and could do well at SCG con is like exactly where I would want to be. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I do think that the return of paper magic is going to remind people of which decks they'd like to play in person versus the online stuff. And I mean, 35 for Karn is very cheap. That card was like 70 to to $100 for a long, long time. Um, and it's very good. Even, even when they print something like Ugin, it, which is great, it doesn't invalidate Karn. There's just not very many options that even really compete with it. So they're not going to just keep printing six to eight drop, crazy, insane, colorless walkers. We'll get some, but it's a very specific... Uh, that's a very specific ask. Yep, agreed. High mana cost, high power, colorless. So I think buying Karn makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's it. That's that's what we're talking. Those are some of the cards that we've like noticed just with rotation happening in the last year of printings are things to keep an eye on as you want to look at buying new cards. If you do end up wanting to buy the cards today, please hit the TCG player link below. Uh, it helps the podcast out. They just know we sent you and they send us some love. Uh, also, check out Patreon. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, uh, we are I we are coming out with a tabletop game called Battle Bosses. Um, it plays like magic. So if you like magic, you'll like battle bosses. It comes, but you get these really cool minifigures that kind of play and are the, the bosses you're playing as, as they fight each other. Definitely check that out at, uh, kest.co slash battle bosses. Um, and then, uh, also I'm dressing every, every day of this month in costume for <laughs> Halloween. I am currently dressed as, uh, Neo, uh, from the matrix. Uh, and tomorrow I think I'm going to be Sora. By the time you hear this, that'll be five days ago. Um, in honor of Sora being added to Super Smash Brothers, Ben doesn't even know what Sora is. I have no clue. I don't know uh, what Sora is. Oh wow, what a what a not nerd. <laughs> um, uh, did that even? Did you hit? Did the like? We don't even have to talk about that. Super Smash. Uh, I know. I know Super Smash Bros. I played a lot of Super Smash. So so th- last week, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, which is the whatever the current edition, released the final character that will ever be added to the game, Got and it. it was Sora. And Sora is the lead character of Kingdom Hearts. Ah, okay. Which is the Disney Final Fantasy, like, super licensed property where, like, you play as a Final Fantasy character, but going through each Disney movie. Yep. I know about it. Kingdom Hearts. It's exciting. (laughs) I have, I have, oh, I don't know what, where it went. Uh, I have a cool wig. Um, but yeah, uh, but I'm doing it for charity. There's a Tiltify link below uh, for Planned Parenthood. Please donate. Uh, it help. It's a great cause. Uh, they do a lot of really, really good things. Uh, and uh, it's super appreciated if you can help me hit the goal of $1,000. Uh, and other than that, Ben's making an album. He's making music. Go check it out, guys. Uh, the actual best place to check it out, if you don't want to go to Spotify or wherever, uh, look at my Twitter bio. You can see there's a link. It'll pre-save the next song that's coming out, um, or it'll just take you to it if it's already out, which it will be when you hear this. And then just go to youtube.com slash Ben Bateman. That's what it is now. It's all music content over there. I do a live stream once a week on Mondays, just kind of talking about my life. And otherwise, that's where the music videos go, the lyric videos, all that stuff. So that's where the updates are. Thanks for listening and thanks for watching, everybody. We will see you same time, same place next week. Thanks, everybody. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.